0: 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 8 is our focus. We're trying to get through verse 1. Probably won't make it because I'm going to deal with a word today. 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 through 8. We'll pray and read the word of God. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Lord's table. Father, it is through that semblance that we have the reality of Christ in our souls. Father, we have been washed white as snow. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for my brother Paul. I praise you that the amount of time you allowed me to spend just looking into this man, the power of you through him. Father, I ask that as we read this, As we open ourselves unto it, Father, it becomes real, that we stand full weight upon it, to your praise and to your glory, in Christ's name, amen. Chapter 5, verse 1, for we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened. So we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that. What is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us the spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body And to be home with the Lord. When you look at this this stretch, these eight verses in the whole flow of the letter to the Corinthians, you see that what he's laid out there, and and we have to go back a little ways uh, to find this because it comes out of chapter two um, that we consider anything as coming from ourselves for five, but our adequacy is from God. Now, what is our adequacy? What is he talking about? Well, it's ministers, okay, who has made us as adequate. Servants and or ministers of what? The new covenant. Okay, and then he contrasts the two. And when he said, here's the old covenant of Sinai and Moses, here's the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And he gives us this and he says, this is what we're about. But we're not adequate to do that in and of ourselves. We have this ministry, chapter uh, four, verse one. As we have received mercy... It's, I was talking about this in our Sunday school class... and I've talked about it over time. Have you ever run into bitter Christians? Wonderful things, ain't they? And I keep thinking, you only have eternal life. How can you be bitter? I mean, if, if He never gave me nothing... how can I be bitter? Except eternal life. That's all I got. Really? What else can I offer you that? And yet He says... But we renounce the things which are hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God. But it's a manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. All right. Basically, what I do is when I study the word of God, I pour it out as I go and it deals with men's conscience. It's kind of cool, really. Kind of cool. Because you don't have to pound it at them. You don't have to be a Bible thumping and and just beat them silly. You just roll out truth and leave it there. Leave it there. I've I've had some discussions uh, this week before the wedding. It was over and over a lot of different individuals coming in and, and they all wanted, you know... Well, not all. Some wanted to banter around some theology and things like that. I just roll out truth. Okay? Now it gets them mad. But I didn't write it. Okay, it's just here's what it says, and I just leave it at that. Well, you should know. I mean, I don't. You know, you've heard of apologetics, haven't you? You defend truth. Um, I have. I'm, I'm of the line of Charles Spurgeon. Okay, um, I do not believe in apologetics. All right, and now if you do and you want to, that go knock yourself out. I am like Spurgeon. Is this not the lion of the tribe of Judah? Open the cage and let it out. The lion will take care of itself. I don't need here kitty kitty. Woof. I, don't, I mean I said, Well, you need to defend I don't need to defend it. I may need to protect you from it. You just got eaten by the lion of the tribe of Judah. It will leave a mark. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? And I, now listen, if some of you here are more into the apologetic side, I am not bashing you. That is not what I've been called to. Okay, I am here to cut the chains loose and watch this. <laughs> Paul says we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. It's funny. This Bible was given to me by Dr. MacArthur. MacArthur. And that's the verse that he signed it in. We do not preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord. Okay. And and, and I think there's times with you and I. We, we want to be adequate for ministry. All right. You can't. You can never make yourself adequate. You can bow before the book and God make you adequate. Okay, it's, it's, it's like I said before, and you've heard me say it over and over and over again. It's not about you mastering the Scriptures. It is about the Scriptures mastering you. As I move through this, and we see that the Apostle Paul says, we were afflicted in every way, crushed but not, uh, crushed, <clears throat> but not crushed, perplexed, not despairing, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed, he's always carrying around the body, dying of Jesus Christ. Which draws him into chapter 5. Chapter 5 is a powerful text. But it starts off with something that you and I just don't like to think about. We try to ignore it. Stick our head to the the proverbial ostrich. You know, stick my head in the ground. It'll never happen. Okay? And yet it's the one thing that every single one of us has been guaranteed. You know what it is? Death. 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 And everybody's like, yeah, man, (laughs) right on. (laughs) Okay? But I want to ask you, can you happily face it? All right? Happily face it. And I've got four things in this outline. Uh, Next home is the best. The next is perfect. The next uh, existent is God's promise. And the next home is with the Lord. And yet we get living our lives in the experience and the senses of the day. You know, um, yeah, Last night, it was great to see my daughter get married. She's out of the house No, <laughs> hey, listen, It's going to be a hallelujah, hallelujah. No. But you know what? If God would have taken me home before then, am I all right with it? You've got to ask yourself serious questions like that. You know, because you and I, whether you're an adult or a child, you have plans. Don't you? Most of you guys are planners. I'm not, but most of you guys are planners. Okay, and I'm just cruising along. And so when some variable comes in, I don't lose my composure. Well, all right. You know, um, we got up uh, Saturday morning, snowing like crazy, and they said it was just going to be flurries. And I'm like, wow, look, we got three inches of flurries. Uh, And it's still getting after it. And everybody says, well, what are we going to do? Nothing. (laughs) And I says, well, should we go shovel? You don't shovel snow while it's still snowing. It's blasphemous. I haven't found the exact text, and it's got to be in Numbers someplace. But wherever it is, you do not shovel snow while it's still snowing. Okay? I mean, that makes you look like, duh. Okay? Okay? Or, you know, I have more free time than anybody. I can stay out here and chase snowflakes. Um, But I said, you know, and and then Tara, of course, she's, Daddy, what do you think? I says, what was you thinking when you planned a December wedding in Colorado? (laughs) Don't give me your thinking process. You have a December wedding in the Bahamas. You don't have them in Colorado. And, And, you know, of course, they all got over it. And we survived. Okay, But we have these things that you and I have. These are little stages in my life that I would like to progress through. But what if God says, oh, you don't get stage three? Right? What do you say? You can argue with him. Go ahead. But what do you, what do you say? What if he says, no, this is your finish line? You know what I think is missing in our our, our psyche of the evangelical community. I hear this a lot, and I see it touted as a virtue, and I will tell you, it it is not a virtue. Why can't people give me accolades for success? You ever thought about that? I don't ever get a attaboy. I didn't get a merit raise for all the good things I've done. My husband, I did all of this stuff for my husband, and he didn't even so much as say, Thank you. Right? I did this and I did that, and no one acknowledged me. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, and I'm going to be as specific about this as I can be. Pure sin. There's one accolade for a Christian. One. Well done, true and faithful servant. Do you know where you have to go to hear that one? But I want to hang out here and have the attaboys from people. Really? No, I don't need no accolades. Why? I want to hear my Lord and my Savior say, well done, true and faithful servant. Period. I don't hear nothing else. I I don't need nothing else. I don't, you know, I had people come and say, well, that was a wonderful service. And now that's a grand message. I don't need that. I I appreciate you. That's all right. But you know what I would prefer to see is that you become sanctified in truth and his word is truth. And if you ever say, well, Terry, you did it. No, I don't want you to do that. It ain't up to me. I want Christ to do it. Well done, true and faithful servant. There's only one place I get to hear that. Too many times we get into the tent mode that Paul lays out here. See, Paul, if you look at Paul's life, okay, Paul... Gives us this information. What I have in these four points. He gives us this information. Because he knew. That death was imminent. Any given moment. He was going to die for the gospel. And he wasn't going to move. You weren't going to push him to the left. You weren't going to push him to the right. You definitely weren't going to push him backwards. You know what? I can never find out where Paul took a retreat. I'm going on a retreat. I don't think Paul's retreating. He'll run over you first. He ain't backing up. He had a courage. He had a boldness. Paul timid with the gospel? Really? And you know what? It didn't matter who it was. It could have been a judge. It could be a king. It could be a ruler. It could be an elder. He didn't care. He wasn't going to shut up. It could be a Jew. It could be a Gentile. He ain't going to be quiet. How did he do that? He lived with the fact that he wanted to hear well done, true and faithful servant and could care less about the rest of it. Paul wanted the Corinthians. Paul wants you and I not to be fearful of death. He's telling his friends in the Corinthian church, do not be concerned for him. Why? Why? I prefer death. This, I want you to think about something. I was reading a, a guy named McCray. He writes the life, and I call it the life and times of Paul, but it's the life and teachings of Paul. Okay, and it's a fascinating book because it kind of gives the historical background of the cities that he was in and and his doctrine. I mean, you know, and you know, it's, it's really interesting. And three statements that McCray made, and I thought these were fascinating. Sorrows of life are worse than death. The disappointments of life are worse than death. The depressions of life are worse than death. And yet we fear death more than sorrows, disappointment and depressions. Paul's life, you need to understand something, was a life of pain. And yet, you and I, I would say that most of us who entered into the relationship with Jesus Christ in this room, we came in thinking we were in a bed of roses. We thought, you know what? I'm saved. I am a child of the King. I am an heir. I am a friend of Jesus. Remember when I came to salvation, it was in a very short time frame. Everything was taken from me. I mean, everything was taken from me. My earthly possessions at 25 could sit in a seat next to me in a Toyota pickup. All of my earthly possessions. Which is really cool because I... If I had a couch, I don't know where I'd put it. But anyway. And I remember... Being mad at God. Saying, I could have messed this up this way. I didn't really need your help. And actually that's put me on the path of of the Bible. Read it. Because I was doing the same thing that every Christian does. I got saved. What did you want me to do in the church? Guy tells you, read the Gospel of John. All right. Why would I start in the middle of the book to read a book? Anyway. All right. So, all right. I'll read the Gospel of John. Now what? Well, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm in construction. Well, then you can work in church maintenance. Therefore, you are a Christian. You're in the church. Ta-da, da da When... I had lost everything. I realized at that point in time, I had an attitude toward God. I remember one time, don't ever do this. Okay, But I remember at one time saying, Lord, why don't you come down here and fight like a man? Don't do that. Don't do that. That was where I thought, do you know what you're asking? (laughs) And I'm thinking you don't really want to see that. Okay, but at that point, he took that, and I, lack of a better term, is just anger. I'm going to go through this book, and I'm going to find the contradictions, and I'm going to bury these Christians with their own book. That's what I tell everybody. <laughs> 28 years, still looking. <laughs> I'm going to keep looking, though. <laughs> Golly, if there's a contradiction in here, I'm going to get it. You see what I'm trying to get at? The Apostle Paul understood that the sorrows, disappointment, and depressions of this wasn't as bad as death. And you know what? He will take each and every one of us and bring you to that place. He can, and he will do it through suffering. He will do it through um, diseases. He can do it through death of loved ones. He can do it through... You can't even think of the number of ways he can do it. But he does it for our benefit. Paul's life was purely focused on the eternals. I'm looking to the heavenlies. Why? I don't like this place. I look at this and he says this earthly tent, but I'm going to go to a building that God has made. And I look at it. I says, I'm going to go from this home to live in a mansion. In a mansion. And, to use the quote from last week, any attitude less than that is sub Christian. That's Spurgeon Boy. He could just throw some stuff out there. Sub Christian. Does that mean they like working the sewage? Oh. Let's be realistic. Every one of you need to be very honest to stay. We have an obsession for the physical. Right. And I I met with uh, Ivan and my daughter this week and and, and I told him, I said, you know what? You're both focused on now. And I said, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're truly honest with yourself and you want to see a glorious marriage. Focus to the eternals. Told my oldest son when he got married, he said, dad. When I get, was, he was getting ready, he was thinking about asking Sasha to marry him. And he says, uh, What do you think? And I says, Go look at her mother. He said, What? I said, Yeah, go look at her mother. I said, For one thing, that's what she's going to change into physically. Second thing, her spiritual condition of the mother is what you will have to either fight with or embrace. And, you know, Jim's come to me later and says, you know, you were right. He says, I thought you was being corny. There's times when I'm corny. But when I'm dealing with the Eternals, I'm not. That's what you and I deal with. The Apostle Paul had to deal with them. He took arrest papers to Damascus. Why? I'm doing God's work. Watch this? I'll get all kinds of accolades. And he got a dandy, didn't he? Why do you persecute me? Oops. Listen, to have an attitude that focuses on the physical does not fit the view a Christian should have. We all have aches and pains. Some are emotional, some are spiritual, some are physical. They a person in this room doesn't have them. Key is, do I focus on them? Do I focus on them? To be with the Lord was Paul's idea. And I ask you, are you eager? Are you eager? See, listen, Paul anticipated death. Okay, and if we don't anticipate death, it will rob you of the privilege and the joy that it is finished. Well done, true and faithful servant. That should be the joy. I sh- that should be the thing that you see this going on around you. But my focus is up here. Well done, true and faithful servant. Why? That is the way that glorifies God did you ever think about this Christian you were made for heaven everything that we should hold dear is there and yet think about the things that we hold dear today heard a guy describe it this way you look death right in the eye and never blink I was like, well, maybe. (laughs) How about if I squint? Safety glasses. In case death does the three stooges thing. Just kidding. Why? When we eyeball death, then we are giving a testimony of our faith. Death is the proof of the reality of our faith. Listen, I I look at it, the next step, you know, my daughter and Ivan were talking about this, and I heard people just counseling them on this, this is just the next step in life. I'm like, dude, (laughs) no it ain't. Why? Next step in life is absent from the body present with the Lord. Whatever you're doing around here is irrelevant. It is temporal. You know what temporal means, right? temporary. Remember? In heaven, you're not given in marriage. Oh, wow. What does that mean? If it's only perfect, don't sweat it. Okay? I mean, everybody says, what do you mean we won't be married? It'll be all right. (laughs) Trust me. I don't understand that. I mean, it's only sinless perfection, but I won't be married. It's only sinless perfection. Perfection tried to explain that to Ivan and Tara, and it didn't work. McRae <laughs> said that Paul had been suffering, and that was the greatest feature of his life. All right, he makes a statement there in verse 1. For we know. 58 verses out of 1 Corinthians 15. For we know. Okay, specifically Corinthians, I've already told you this in my last letter. (laughs) For you and I, hey, read the first letter. But then he makes this statement, that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down. The word torn down there is a really cool, um, (laughs) really cool word in the Greek. It it means to disassemble. Disassemble. I mean, you're like, whoa, I mean, it's one thing to have like a raggedy tent, but let's disassemble it. (laughs) Whoa, what does that mean? It ain't working. Paul lived with death. Okay. And always had this hope that this was it. But he uses a word here that is amazing. If. If. Oh, wait a minute. It is given to man to die once, right? So how can you say if? Paul, you've been stoned and left for dead. You've been beaten with rods. You've been shipwrecked. You're in danger in the country. You're in danger in the cities. Your Jews hate you. The Gentiles hate you. And you throw the word if in there. easy. I gave you three priorities last week, remember? What are your my priorities? Rapture, death, live. Okay? The word if means if I die before the rapture. Go read Paul. That dude lived his life that the rapture's ten minutes away. Any second now, poof, Jesus is going to redeem us. The return of Christ. And yet, Paul was smart enough to say, but I don't know if he will return before I die. Preferably, he'll return before I die. Paul believed that at any moment, Jesus would come in his lifetime. Any moment. Let me ask you. Do you believe that in any moment he could show up? Don't do the prophecy things. They'll drive you nuts. Because I watched them do the prophecy things in the early 1900s. I seen them do it right around the time of our Civil War. Anytime that there's cataclysmic events going on, Jesus is coming back. You know what? I thought it was going to be like a thief in the night when you least expect it. Okay, so if I'm sitting around expecting it, probably not. Okay, but do you ever live in light that says any moment? You know what my greatest sign that says is it's it's due any time? And mine ain't the same as anybody else's. Condition of the church. That's the way I look at it. It's condition of the church. You know the strongest church right now spiritually is? China. Because they'll kill you for worshiping God. They ain't very big. It's not like you can go to the Chinese megachurch. Okay. And yet the most, most corrupt church right now is where? And who has the greatest influence on the body of Christ globally? America. We have the money. We have the resources. Television and technology. Okay. There's an apostasy. There has to be an apostasy. You understand that. A falling away. They, they, men will heap to themselves teachers that will tickle their ears. Dude, if we're not in that right now, oh, mercy. <laughs> I don't know how much worse it's going to get. I can look at the condition of the church globally and see how easy it's swayed. Um, it, it's, I heard it described one time. It's like the church has a spiritual case of AIDS. Uh, There is no discernment. Oh, it's got to be of God. Why? It's in a church. Guy had a suit on. He went to college. I'm thinking it's real. Have you ever lined it up to scripture? Well, no, he wouldn't lie to me. Oh. We have priorities that we should live by. One is rapture. One is two is death. It's in this order. And third one is if I have to live. Paul puts if in here because what happens? I live to the return of Christ. That should be the hope. I, I seen a, a thing that came out as one of the Barner report things. And um, 70% of Christians believe in the second coming of Christ. Really? Then how do you call yourself? Christian. Let me give you a text. Uh, We'll deal more with this text probably in the weeks to come, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I like it when he says, Behold. It's sort of like, uh, Shazam! (laughs) I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Paul lived that in the twinkling of an eye at that trumpet, we will all be changed. You know, and I hear people say, well, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. So you'll miss it by a twinkling of an eye. What a drag, I was second. But Paul lived that at any moment, Christ is just going, whoo! Got him. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll all have resurrected bodies and we'll all be going, sitting around going, whoa! Well, I'm going to be going, whoa! And you can spell that any way you want to spell it. Because that's going to just be one of those, oh, gee, look. I have a body and I'm floating in the clouds. Gravity has failed me. The perishable will put on the imperishable. And it's all going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. There is no facing death at that moment. It's seen. There there's no more heartache. There's no more grief. There's going to be a serious case of woe. Okay, there's none of this. There's no more tears. And it happens just like that. We will all be changed. I like that. One of the first letters that he... Actually, the first letter that he wrote that you and I have is the New Testament. Okay, first letter. Anybody know? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay, there go back to the twinkling of an eye. Dead in Christ rise first. Twinkle. Twinkle. Right behind him. Right behind him. See, Paul said and lived and walked and breathed that any second now, we're all going to be changed. It's going to be a twinkling in the eye. You're all going to sit down and go, whoa, did you see? Huh. Paul wanted to live until Christ's return. Why? Absent from the body? But you don't have a body. He 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 didn't want to go up there and hang out with nobody. He's you know, his spirit would be with Jesus and it all be Don't get me wrong. If if I die, somebody tries to raise me from the dead, you better hope you're not successful. <laughs> because you think I got an attitude now, you get me out of heaven. <laughs> I will make your life miserable. All right, just just telling you ahead of time. Paul understood this, that the rapture was best. Why? In the twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. We will all put on the imperishable. Okay, that is the resurrected body. He said that that was the best. But then he said in Philippians one. The second one. Far better, he says. To depart and be with Christ. See, most of you and I, I guarantee you, if I give you these three priorities, rapture, death, and life, you would not put them in that order. If you're a Christian, truly saved, you should have an overwhelming passion for the rapture. Twinkling of an eye, check it out. Right? Right? but then you and I get two and three changed. Then better to live. Paul said, no. Better to depart and be with Christ. That was his second priority. He he uses the word if in Second Corinthians. Why? If I don't make the rapture, Better to check out. Be done with this place. Absent from the body. Home with the Lord. And that's the way we should be. We, you and I, should live with that same longing. In that order. In that order. You know what? um, The discussion has come up. And it comes up, my mom's in town, Um, I'm executor of the estate, so every time we run into each other, we get to talk about just joyful and fun things. Okay, and, you know, I'm going to do this, we're going to do that, and all the rest of it. We always have these discussions. Um, When my son, my youngest son, who's in the Army, uh, was getting ready to enlist, we had these discussions on, you know, what happens. You know, if, if, yeah, what if he's killed? Okay. Um, these conversations show up at different times. And usually they're never planned. I mean, well, my mom plans. Uh, we need to discuss some... Huh, great. Well, I've changed the key from the safety deposit box. <laughs> is it in the same bank? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Whatever. When we... a family, If a family is truly honest with itself, it needs to discuss some of this. You're going to have to face the loss of somebody in a family. And everybody says, well, that's not true. Really? Anybody here not attend a funeral of a loved one? Okay. We all have somebody. I remember my great uncle who I never knew was the first funeral I went to. I never knew this guy. My dad said, well, you need to go to this funeral. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't even know. His name was Clarence anyway it's a long story all right Uh, but Clarence died all right and you know we go down there and I'm looking at his dad I don't remember Clarence oh yeah you do oh no I don't (laughs) okay and I I just thought it's kind of weird this is down in the hill country of Kentucky so you had the up all night thing and you're like man this who thought this up okay And, and the reason that they did it you know why they did that Stay up with the dead? In case, yeah. In case they weren't dead. You know, Bob got up. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know. He was really nervous about being in a casket. Anyway. uh, (laughs) But but that's how it used to be. But we keep doing it now. I'm pretty convinced now if they embalm you, I don't really have to worry about you getting up. (laughs) But we always... Struggle with that facing of death. Do you know what the next funeral I went to was? My dad. No, we didn't have to stay up with him all night, but. But you still went to it. Why you still day? Now, listen, he was 43 years old. This wasn't like we planned it. OK, it's like, boom, here it is. But it comes up. We talk about it. We discussed it. How's come when my son and, and daughter and granddaughter just took off to go back to Wyoming because, you know, the s- snow five to eight we're supposed to get tonight? They're getting now. Okay. And they are up there where there is nothing but wind. Okay. And so they're taking off to go through it. And I said, well, you know, be careful. Why do we say be careful? No, drive offensively, man. Throw it four-wheel drive. Straight line. <laughs> Heal him down through the fences and just keep it floored. Right? You don't tell them that. All right, you do that, but leave the baby here. She has a life in front of her. Is that what we do? But we all sit there and go, well, I'll pray for you. I'm not going to pray for them. If God says it's time for them to come home, see you. And then it'd be again. uh, Best man at my wedding a few years ago went to glory, and uh, he caused me to sin. I envy him. Isn't envy a sin? We talk of our families, and none of us want to face the loss of the rest. Right? We all want to go first. Isn't it true? I want to get out of here. Why? Because I don't want to go through the heartache. Right? I don't want to be burying. I don't want to bury anybody. But I'm not stupid enough to say, well, Lord, could you just make sure that nobody dies around me anymore? And to hear, hear God laugh. Part of it is is that we do enjoy the fellowship of one another until Christ returns. How many of us can look at it and say, "Lord, let me die, and let me die soon." I think about the young people like Kendall and Danny you know, what are you an idiot? <laughs> Dude, I just got my driver 's license that keeps us from dying no. <laughs> But you see what I'm trying to get at? You're not going to stand up and say, well, you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm ready to die now. But if my hope is on the eternals, I don't care. I don't care. Paul's whole mentality was, I just want to get to glory. I just want to look into his face. I mean, look, i to be realistic. He saw his face the first time, remember? Uh Uh-oh. Okay. Now I'm a, all right, all right. <laughs> this will be good the second time. That first time was sort of a drag. Okay. I have a desire to see his face. Why? And there's times that it's an obsession. I remember years ago, it's been the early eighties. If you wanted to start a church, what did you teach on? Revelations. Everybody wants to know the end times. But you know what? They want to know the date of the end times. They ain't looking and saying, look, here's the face of Christ. When all of the lights of heaven go out, and all of a sudden, poof, one light, Jesus. uh Uh-oh. You'll do your Damascus Road thing. Them guys weren't kidding, were they? No. When you see, it's funny, it says, when you see the the heavens roll up like a scroll is the way to describe it. You remember the old blinds that my grandma had? You pull them down, and then you let go of them, and they go... Rrr. That's the term it's used. You're like, well, he's going to roll up the stars like a blind? Well, yeah, he created it. That's really not that big a deal for him. But nobody wants to see that. When does this, the four horseman thing happens, and I'll get saved the day before? I want to see that. How many have the desire? I want to see his face. You know what? I want to look into his face for if it's just a second, because I'll be so stunned. But then here. Well done. True. Faithful servant. <laughs> yeah. Our text says that even though we are in this tent, that word "tent" there is a is a is a cool is a really cool word in the original language. Uh, I found it a, a, another time in John's Gospel, chapter one, okay, in verse fourteen. Okay, he says, even though this tent will be dismantled, and the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we saw His glory and the glory of the only begotten Son from the Father full of grace and truth. Yeah, Terry, you said tent. The word that you see there, dwelt, is tent. Okay? Jesus came and tented with us. No, Jesus came and was with us temporarily in a structure That would be dismantled. The apostle Paul. Is telling you and I. That even though. We know if this. Earthly. Tent this mortal. Temporary. Carcass that will be dismantled. That's so cool. Didn't that freak you out? Freaked me out, man. I was like, wow, man, that's all right. Jesus tented among us. Just doesn't have the flair of the incarnation, does it? He put on a tent. The picture is extraordinarily good. That means that the picture is that of the human body, the mortal body. It has in mind, and if I look at it in John 1 and I look at it in Corinthians, it is someone without a permanent home. We used to do backpacking and we used to carry a tent with us because we weren't staying permanent. Okay, then we even got these things called bivouac bags because we didn't even want to carry a tent. You just stick your sleeping bag in a big old rubber tube and if it snowed and sleeted and all this other stuff, you just laid in a bag. Okay, now that is seriously temporary. Paul, as a believer, understood that he was a so- sojourner. Paul, as a believer, understood he was an alien in this land. Paul, as a believer, understood he was but a pilgrim passing through. But you know what I, I've learned is Paul wasn't the only one. Peter understood it. Second <clears throat> Peter. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, this tent. To stir you up by way of reminder. (laughs) I always like that. Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling, my earthly tent, is imminent. As also our Lord Jesus Christ... Has made clear to me. He's seen it coming too. I think about this because Peter wanted to put off the tent. He wanted to lose this tent. He wanted to. Can you say it? Die. Die. And listen, you ain't telling me that Peter wasn't expecting the rapture. He'd already asked Jesus. Is it now? I mean, he got raised from the dead. Now? What do you mean you're going to sin? Well, you keep waiting. But he knew he was coming back. He was expecting it. But he said, you know what? I'd rather get rid of this earthly dwelling. Why? So I can have a permanent dwelling. It's a great image if you think about it. Paul, Paul and Tim, or Paul and Peter both wanted to get rid of the tent. In the ancient time, as even today, it was just a, ter- uh, a temporary structure. We have tents. We have stores that sells tents. Why? It's a temporary structure. Okay? If you look at it in the writing of the New Testament, there was a lot of nomadic tribesmen, and it was just go from one grazing area to another grazing area. He knew tents. And the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 18, verse 3, what did he do? Made tents. It literally means he's a leather, leather worker. Well, what were tents made out of? Hides. I mean, he didn't have, he didn't have a Gore-Tex tent. You know, look at mine, rip-stop nylon. Where'd you get that at? (laughs) He didn't have that. He stitched the hides together to make a tent. He understood it completely. He knew the strengths of tents. And the weaknesses. But he did know this emphatically temporary. There's too many times you and I think that this tent is permanent. You don't believe me? Think about it. Health clubs? I'm going to pay money to lift weights? I'm going to spend money to sweat. Dude, when I grew up, they paid me to sweat. We we used to have to put up hay every year. You do that in southern Ohio all the summer, and you get four cuttings without irrigations. Dude, you learn to sweat. And you learn that long sleeves, brother, long sleeves. And all the cuts. We were the only group of cousins around who were ready for school to start. We're out of the field. This is great. Because, see, we had to put it up on trailers, and you hauled it into the barn, you had to put it up in the lofts. There was no such thing as a stack liner when I grew up. You were the stack liner. I remember my brother one time says, you know, I'm just getting tired of throwing, hey, I'm going to ride the tractor. He paid 10 cents an hour to drive the tractor. He worked out in the sun just as hot and as long as we did. We were getting five bucks an hour. Now, listen, that's a lot of money back then. And he got 10 said, ten hours. <laughs> you couldn't have got him to drive that tractor ever again. <laughs> he ain't doing that. Sit <laughs> out there because you still got the hay dust flying around. Anyway. Paul understood it. It was temporary. The history of Israel. They came out of Egypt. Remember that? Come out of Egypt. And they were told to do what? Build a tent. A tabernacle. That was temporary as you moved. And he says, you know what? Eventually, we will build a big one. It will be replaced by a permanent temple. See, the body we have in this world is like a tent. It's our house. Take care of it. okay? But the truth of the matter is, if you take care of your body, let's say you... I don't know what eating right means. and My mom was one of these, eat fiber with everything and all the rest of it. She got colon cancer or something. And they're going, well, that worked well. I'm in the commercial. You've seen the commercial? Fiber just makes me sad. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, my Bible says, give thanks and quarter pounder with cheese. I lived on them for how many years? My cholesterol's fine i i don't know I no I did it was three meals a day i you take care of yourself and you you do all the right things you drink x number of quarts of water or how much water we're ever supposed to drink you 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 don't stand out in the sun too long and you don't do this and when, all these other things you know what i don't care what you do still temporary. My great-grandfather lived to be 103. He's seen a lot of things in his years. He got a ticket in downtown Miamisburg, Ohio for rearing a horse. He looked at me and he says, you would know it like popping a wheelie. Okay? He's seen man walk on the moon. Okay? That's 103. But if you're really honest with yourself, 103... And that John Henry, he smoked until he was eighty-nine. And he started when he was ten. And the doctor came in, it's the only time I ever heard him cuss. The doctor came in and says, If you don't quit smoking, you're not gonna live very long. <laughs> and he says, How long have you been smoking? He looked at the doctor and says, Longer than you expletive. Are old? And you borrow it. And he used to make these green cigars, man, that just was awful. Keep mosquitoes away. And it would. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 12. Like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. As a weaver, I rolled up my life. He cut me off from the loom. From day until night, you make an end of me. Okay, when I look at this text here, if, okay, if, if I have to die before the rapture, preferred. Preferred. Why? It is but a tent. It says this tent is torn down, dismantled. It's dismantled. Okay? And yet, we cherish our tents. There isn't a person in here. You take care of it. You feed it when it gets hungry. You watch football when it needs it. Sometimes you watch football when it doesn't need it. But you take care of it. I mean, you smash your finger with a pair of pliers. You go, ow. Right? Whatever you do, you take care of it. But to understand this, it will be dismantled. And if you catch the rapture, it will be dismantled in a twinkling of the eye. Paul's priority, the rapture. Death. Next week I'll look at the life in the mansion. Because the goal is that. Our goal here on this planet. Has got nothing to do. With the temporal. We deal with those things. That are eternal. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Right? And the souls of men. Okay. And while we are dealing with those, we are looking to the rapture. If not. Death. And next week to live is. Christ. Okay, let's pray, Father, I thank you for. For my brother, Paul. Father, even though his tent, to use his illustration, was folded up. Lord, he still has an impact on your creation. Father, I pray for each of us. That we'll be sanctified by your truth. and Knowing that your word is truth. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Father, death is a almost a taboo subject and yet. You set it before us, so that your people, called by your name, will have no fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We are just clay pots, with precious treasure inside. And yet, Father, I look to that day that we get an eternal pot to your glory and to your praise, in Christ and Christ alone. Amen.